the two backs behind him. They'll hand off to the second back through. Will he bring 20, 15, 10, 5, dragging tacklers, touchdown. Will he three? Touchdown to Simeasiola, and that's why he's the Class 5A player of the year. When he gets in the open field, he goes to another level. He takes it from third gear and goes ahead and puts it all the way into fifth gear as he smells that paper. Watch the boys. To the Watch Up, ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of 407 Legends. So all of our guests are special and legends in their own right, but like anything in life, there are tears, and our guest tonight sits right at the top. Not only is he a 407 legend, but he is a legend throughout the state of Florida and has a solidified spot on the Mount Rushmore of Florida high school running backs. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome Class of 2000, Osceola High, Willie Green. Willie. I know you don't do a lot of interviews talking about yourself. So right. we can't thank you enough for coming on to hang out with the Washed Up Boys. Um, as always, our goal with these interviews is just to celebrate you, share your story to, uh, to your fans, as well as the next generation to learn from. So we really appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. No problem at all, man. And, and like I told you uh, during our text messages, um, this this is you know what it's about for me is it's about the next generation and just mm -hmm. being able to encourage, uplift, motivate, and just allow our our next uh incoming of youth to have something to look forward to, to strive to, and to be the best individual that they can be. So it's all love, my brother. Always. That's so dope, man. Great and outlook G on life. And G, I want to say to the fans, the Washed Up Boys fans, I am truly excited because y'all know <laughs> this is one of my favorite running backs of all time. This dude has inspired me, and he had, I didn't even know he inspired me. So <laughs> I can't wait, man. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> so dope, man. So dope. Well, uh, let's get to it, man. So, Willie, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. What was a young Willie Green like? Um, Let me let me just be more direct. You know, I, right. sometimes I try to beat around the bush with certain things. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes, you know, that's not the route to go because okay. – you know, like I told you also during a lot of the interviews or not interviews, but a lot of the um the speaking engagements that I do, mm -hmm. I'm dealing with a lot of trouble at risk teenagers. And, you know, the, the one thing that they do want to hear is the truth. You mm -hmm. know, you can't uh, you can't help someone when you give them, you know, the watered down version of anything. And right. so when I look at that, it's like, OK, I can sit here and tell you, oh, life was good. But in reality, that's a lie. You know, mm -hmm. life was just like anybody else. You know, I grew up in a single parent home. My mom was the mom and the dad. And uh, my dad was never around, you know. So mm -hmm. it's just like majority of, of, of African-Americans. You know, a lot of us don't have our dads around. So we tend to um, look out to the streets for motivation, more guidance and the teachings that we tend to want. And in most cases, that's definitely not the route to go. In most cases, I'm not going to say that's always the case, but in most cases, that's not the route. Um, so for me, you know, I grew up in McLaren Circle in Kissimmee, um, probably the quote unquote, the worst neighborhood in, in my area. You know, it's not a it's not mm -hmm. a huge area. Kissimmee is not a huge area. But mm -hmm. um, at that time of me growing up, it was the worst area that you can be in where the drugs were sold, uh, the violence, the killings, uh, just the normal, typical stuff 
that we see in our communities, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that to me was what I thought was the right thing to do. You know, when you see people selling drugs, they got all the women, they got all the money, they got the nice cars, the rims, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It looks good, you know, but at the end of the day, it's all a, a, a facade. It's all fake, you know, mm-hmm. so I didn't understand that. And that was kind of what took my right, my life the route that it went. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha, man. So, uh, when did you first get introduced to ball? Because uh, I know you kind of mentioned your biological pops. Um, I don't know, and you guys didn't have much of a relationship, but I, I know that he was a, a, a hell of a ball player himself. But uh, right. when did you first get introduced to football? Man, ball was was a way of life. You know, that's that's kind of you know like like any other thing in our communities. You know, outside of drugs and and things like that there is the other side of the sports. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as long as I can remember, man, I've been playing ball forever. I um, I actually started uh, youth sports at the age of six. Um, and I played out in St. Cloud because they didn't have a league in Kissimmee. Mm-hmm. So um, I went out there. I was only black. Well, it was me and another kid. It was two black kids on the team. So, uh, and now I don't know if you ever heard of the guy, but Chad Masco, that was my guy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His so uh, is coming too. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, he and I were the only two black kids on this team. And um, so we just went from there, man, at the age of six. And, you know, Chad and I probably, we actually are one month apart. His birthday is uh, January the 4th and mine is February the 4th. So, you know, we, we, we started together and we ended high school together. Oh, wow. So really, like every star, man, you kind of have that point that you realize, okay, I'm a little different on the field. I'm a little special. When did that, when did that moment first hit you? Honestly, it never hit me. Because Come I, on, I, man. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. Come <laughs> on, Willie. All these all-American teams and all this, man. Hey, seriously, I, I argue with my partners right now to this day, you know, about that kind of stuff because I always saw myself as an equal, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and people – People just look at the numbers. They don't really understand the aspect of everything that that, that took place with our team. Mm-hmm. You know, I never considered myself being different. I knew that I was a, I was like, um, I guess you could say a go getter. I was uh, motivated and driven because I felt that football was the only way for me to get out of my community. So I was motivated to be the best that I can be. And I think that was the only difference for me when it came to other individuals. You know, some guys, they really wanted it, and some guys just did it just because. Mm-hmm. For me, I really wanted it. That was that was it for me, you know, being able to play ball. That's what allowed me to, to, to be a decent student. It allowed me to be the best person that I can be because I knew that as long as, you know, I was doing the right thing, I could, I could continue to play ball and be all I could be. Right on. Now, well, Willie, you know, I I, I want to ask you, just being a fan and being a young Willie, what's that one game you remember at St. Cloud where it's like, man, I that's probably one of the best games I've ever had? Not one. <laughs> and, and I, honestly, because uh, we, went, we, went, we went 0-10 that year. Well, let, me, let me back up. We went 1-9, and nine, and the one game that we did win, it was due to forfeit. The team said that they, they didn't believe we were good enough. No. <laughs> Honestly, I, I put that on everything. Wow. Yeah, we, we were terrible. We were terrible. We were <laughs> got terrible. You, got you. That's <laughs> hilarious, man. So, Willie, from the day you arrived at Osceola High School, there are big expectations for you. Um, 
you know, win a few state championships, dominate in college, go on to the NFL. Right. And that was probably the floor. Uh, right. Was there ever a time that you felt pressure from those expectations? Nah, I don't think so. You know, okay. um, for me, it was just it was just an opportunity. It was something to do. And like I said, it kept me out of trouble. So, you know, there was never a time that I felt, okay, if I don't win or, you know, if I don't score a touchdown or if I don't have 100 yards or somebody's going to be upset. You know, I never felt that. I never – it just never was part of my life. I didn't, I didn't see it. Okay. So, yeah, it okay. was just having fun as a kid. That's all. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I was going to ask, too, um, Willie, like – when you were kind of getting to that that ninth grade year, were were you starting to feel the community saying, "Hey, like this is a special one. Like we got to make sure he he stay on track and he do what he got to do," or it's just more like it, it just popped question. out of the blue? I don't know. I, you know, I, I I don't think so. I would say my mom was. You know, I think she would say um, that. Yeah, it, he he's a little different, mm-hmm. and um, as far as sports, he's a little different. And I got to stay, uh, I got to keep a tight leash on him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where my mom came in the community, you know, in Kissimmee, people may not know this, mm-hmm. but between Kissimmee and St. Cloud, see, you guys, y'all look up to me, possibly. Mm-hmm. Some guys look up to me. Yeah, I'm just going off what you're saying to me. I do. But honestly, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> a lot of other running backs. I say it <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but seriously, man, if, if I can mention some names of running backs or just ball players that came out of the Osceola County area, you guys may not even heard of these guys, but these are probably like just the comparison to the people I would compare them to is is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And and I would tell people all the time, there's no there's no comparison to a, a running back like Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't yeah. you can't duplicate that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I would tell you that because of how far he went. Mm-hmm. But I could find an individual that went to St. Cloud High School that was just as elusive and mm-hmm. probably faster, probably stronger, mm-hmm. just didn't just didn't make it out of the community yeah. because he didn't have that 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 support. And he, you know, made some bad choices and led him to prison. But mm-hmm. I looked up to this individual. You can look up the stats and you will see like, oh, you know, there was definitely something there. And this guy by the name of Eric Butler. Mm-hmm. If you ever look up Eric Butler from St. Cloud High School, mm-hmm. you'll see like, okay, this guy was the real deal. I can remember um, St. Cloud and Osceola is our right. It's a robbery. It's kind of yeah. like um, I don't even know who the robbery is in Orlando at this point. But back in my days, uh, Jones, mm-hmm. Evans, Evans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. those were big robberies. Um, Jones, yeah, those types of games. This is that's what we got over here at Osceola and St. Cloud. And if you look at the stats, I think we, you know, those rivalries in Orlando, they've been going on for a period of time. But the rivalry between Osceola and St. Cloud is one of the oldest rivalries in the state of Florida. So we're talking, you know, over a hundred uh, years of playing each other. Hmm. And um with all that being said, I think St. Cloud has probably beat Osceola maybe 15 times, 20 times. It's not wow. a lot. That's my point. It's wow. not a lot. Yeah. But those times that they do win, they always, always have that one special running back. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that they beat us. And that mm-hmm. one running back, of course, that beat us twice was Eric Butler. All In right. each game, he put up at least 
250 yards, 300 yards in each of those games. Well, so damn. It, it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes. When you find only a few times over, you know, basically a century of games that's being played, and, and there are only a handful of times that this team lost, and a couple of those times came to this special running back, it speaks volumes. But yeah, Eric Butler was the real deal for me. And um, that's the person that kind of inspired me a lot without him even meeting me, talking to me, which I know him. We, we met a lot. But mm-hmm. before he even was able to say, well, hey, listen, this is how I go about doing my thing. I would just watch him on the field. And the guy was just he was great. Okay. He was great. All right. So 1998, that's your junior season. Special. Absolutely. Y'all bring a state title back to Kissimmee. What was that right. time like, and how much did it mean to you to bring that championship back home? Osceola will hand off to Willie Green. There's a touchdown for Willie Green. His third of the game, and the Class 5A player of the year just put the icing on the championship. 27-14, Osceola. Oh, man, that, 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 that was a great time, not just for myself, but you know, for, for the city, you know, yeah. because we've always had really good teams over here, but we were never able to to finalize that stamp. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of teams make it to a lot of state finals, but never to finalize that that final game. So for us, that was like getting over that final that final hurdle and kind of, you know, setting a place that, you know, Kissimmee is is, is somewhere that can that can ball, you know. We're not just a small city in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. We are somewhere that can that can really put down and and, and, and battle with the best of them, you know. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that was a, a great time for just winning that championship for me. Um, like I said, man, it football was just something I did to keep me out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And and doesn't like right now when I look back, it's not one moment to say, oh man, you know, I had like the state ring. A lot of that stuff doesn't – it doesn't mean anything to me now. Even back then, it was just, okay, we won the game. You know, I'm on to the next phase now. Yeah. It didn't really never – it never set that, that, that monumental moment in my life. It was great. The community was great. It was a special time. But it was with that one year. It was 98. You know, that's just how football was for me. It was just – it was what I was doing. I appreciated it. I loved it. But it was just, I guess it's more because of where I am now today. I don't really idolize the game itself. Mm-hmm. So, and but I, it was definitely a great time. And Willie, I was going to ask you, speaking of 1998, um, and I, I even had this question as a little kid, I, you know, as a jet running around playing Pop Warner and watching you at, you know, at, um, at the Gainesville Stadium. What inspired, right. what inspired you to wear number 40 that night or, you know, just that season in general? <laughs> Honestly, uh-huh. I was forced into that number, man. That's wow. like, okay. Wow. <laughs> 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 he pick 40 out of all numbers. He picked 40. Man, <laughs> listen, it is, it's, it's sad, but it's true. You know, my freshman year, when I got the Osceola, um, I actually wanted the number 32 because that's what I had worn in our uh, U sports. And then there was a, uh, a running back that was at Osceola that I really looked up to. This was my guy. And it, it used to be funny to me, you know, when, um, just coming through the community. Once I got to college and all of that stuff, 
I come back home and he might be sitting out playing dominoes somewhere. And um, it was like he made it his point for people to know that he was my he was my role model. He was the guy that I looked up to and he always wanted that. And to me, it, it never felt better for me to say, man, you the guy that 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 I looked up to. You the guy that I respected. You the guy that I idolized and marked my game after. And I would tell him that every time I saw him until he up, up to when he passed away, um, I think back in 2000 2004, mm. 2004, 2005, he passed away. But uh, I made it my business to tell him, like, hey, you were the guy I looked up to. But anyway, the number was um, it was it was given to me. Mm. And so I went and told my coach, I was like, hey, man, listen, I don't want this number. <laughs> I want 42. That's the that's the number that I had coming out of you sports. He was like, well, uh, upperclassmen, because I was trying to play freshman, actually. Because I wanted to stay with all my partners, my oh, brothers, yeah. the guys that I grew up with. If you would have played so, freshman football, you would have <laughs> probably had eight thousand yards. <laughs> and ten guys. Is is I'll explain that to you later, man. But it is it's it's crazy, man. But I didn't want to play varsity because I just felt I wanted to stay with my brothers. Mm -hmm. You know, we all grew up together. We played basketball together. We hung out together. Mm -hmm. We spent nights at each other's house. Mm -hmm. That was that was what it was for me. Is that that was my family. So it was like, okay, when you know you're not playing freshman, you're gonna be on varsity. This is what we got going on. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, if you want me on varsity, can I get 32? Mm -hmm. And he said, my coach was like, nah, another upperclassman has it. You're gonna keep the number you got. So now this is a problem. This is a big deal for me. Right. So I, I go home and I, I tell my mom, like, hey, listen, I'm not going back to school. She said, what's the problem? I say, I told my coach I wanted 32. Now, mind you, I know the kid who got the number. He uh -huh. stayed right across the street from me. Uh -huh. So I tell my mom and she listening to me. She's like, listen, the number doesn't make you. You make the number. So go. at the time, I'm like, man, I don't want to hear all of that. I want number 32. So, so. We sat down and we talked about it. And she kept telling me, like, listen, I understand what you want. Wait another year. He'll be gone. You get the number. I said, no, mom. I want that number now. Mm -hmm. And she continued to press me, like, listen, you're not changing schools for one. So I don't even want to hear that. Mm -hmm. Second, you just got to wait. So I'm upset by, you know, I'm looking for my mom to, to defend me. And, of course, she didn't. So I went on out and took the number. That's a crazy and story. Was, <laughs> Yeah, that was it from now. I just enjoyed it and made the best of the number, man. You rocked it, though, bro. Hey, I was going to say, just to, let you know, just to let you know, in Pop Warner, I actually wore number 43, so I got close to 40. So trust me, yes, I was paying attention, brother. Hey, so but Willie, he, he, he ain't tell you this, though. His number his senior year was 32. It sure was. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> this, this is real shit, deal. Yeah, this is, no, we, we ain't capping like, right now. Playing, like, you think yeah. I'm, I'm playing, bro. I'm excited, bro. Like, yes, sir. That's so, what's up, there, man. Yeah, man. So, Willie, before your senior season, you have your first, I guess, two knee surgeries. Uh, what exactly did you have done, and uh, were those old injuries, or what was the deal? No, uh, well, actually, I had my first surgery my junior year. So, oh, okay. uh, before my senior, I had one shoulder surgery and one knee surgery. But I had the shoulder surgery um at the end of my sophomore year, going into my junior year, mm -hmm. and then I had the first knee surgery going into my senior year. So, um, I remember the game like it was yesterday. 
but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it was basically I had a, a lateral meniscus tear in my uh in my in my left knee. Mm, so wow. um this is where I think, you know, like I say, I'm I'm in a different place in my life now. And where I am now, when I look back on things, I, I kind of like, like, well, yeah, that probably shouldn't have been a decision I made. Maybe I should have did this. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is January of 99. This is after I've had that injury. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go and talk to my grandma, my great grandmother. I'm sorry, my great grandmother, mm-hmm. very spiritual, deep into the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking her like, hey, you know, grandma, what, what do you think? They're telling me I should get surgery, but they're also telling me that this type of injury, you can play on it and you can possibly, you know, endure and be okay. But you just never know when it comes to that type of injury. It could get worse and it could, you know, cause other problems, but it may not. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a gamble that you're going to have to take. So she said, baby, listen, don't get the surgery. I said, well, why you say that, grandma? Of course, she's in the church. Older woman, she's like, listen, I just don't believe in surgeries. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. What do I do? I get the surgery because the doctor telling me, oh, once you get this, you'll be 100% back to normal. You mm-hmm. won't feel a thing. I get the surgery. I was fine. I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fine going and, you know, I rehab, did everything I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And we're talking the third game of my senior year. Not many people know this. And, and probably this is the first time y'all have ever hit this. Oh, wow. The third game of my senior year is when I actually tore my ACL. Whoa. So when you hear what I'm saying to you, it's like, well, you played your senior year, didn't you? I was you? just about to say that. Um, um, right. There you go. Are you so, serious? Wow. Absolutely. I'm dead. So I, I can pull the, I can get the game and show it to you, and you will see. It looked like I got shot as I was running oh, down the field. Wow. Seriously. I was running down the field, and I went to give a move to a guy. It was two guys, and I just fell. Like, fell right on the ground. And immediately, as soon as I got up, I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dang, that, that doesn't feel right. But mm-hmm. basically, my knee can go back further than, you know, it's kind of like a hyperextension. That's how it yeah. felt. Mm-hmm. But it was it was worse than that. Like I, it was like I was double jointed in my knee, mm-hmm. but nobody knew this. Mm-hmm. The only people knew it was my trainer and my coach. And of course, this is my senior year. Do I want to bring this to someone else's attention? Because I just had a surgery eight months ago. Do I bring this to someone's attention? And now it's like, oh, well, maybe this kid is a high risk. You know, injury prone. We we may not want to risk a scholarship on this guy. So in my mind, this is a secret. So yeah. So um, basically, when I when I made the move, mm-hmm. I knew immediately that something was wrong. I didn't know it was to that extreme. Uh-huh. And to be honest with you, I didn't find out what was going on until I got to the University of Florida. When I had this was like over the summer. You mm-hmm. you know we enrolled over the summer, which is summer C or summer B. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm telling the coach, like, man, my knee it just it just keeps swelling up. I don't understand what the problem is. I don't know what's going on. So they're like, well, let's just get a uh, MRI and see what the deal is. Mm-hmm. When I get the MRI, they called me in the office to say, uh, what you know, what do you say is going on? I said, well, my leg, my knee it just keeps swelling up. I don't know what the reason is or why. 
it just keeps swelling up. You know, no matter what I do, it just swells up. And he said, listen, man, what was the last thing you did? I said, I haven't done anything. I've been like conditioning wise. That's it. Mm-hmm. He said, man, listen, you have a torn ACL. And he said, wow. he's telling me that since you've been on campus, you haven't done any type of uh, like ladder drills or anything like that. I was like, no, sir. We've just been conditioning and lifting weights. He said, you have a torn ACL, man. And so once he tells me that, I'm like, what do you mean? I said, man, I got a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, can you think back to a time where, you know, you felt like maybe a hyperextension or something different? As soon as he said, that's what you thought about. Hyperextension, yep. He said, wow. And so <laughs> I tell him and he said, well, what happened? How did you, you know, what was the deal with that? And I explained to him when I told my uh, my trainer, she was, you know, she was real crafty when it came to taping up your ankle or just, you know, whatever you needed done, she can she can make it feel as if you were normal. Mm-hmm. So uh, what she would do is she would take my knee a specific way before every game after that specific game. This was the third game of my senior year. So she mm-hmm. would take my knee a specific way. When I explained, she said she basically created your ACL with tape. And I was wow. like, can you do that? I asked him, I said, can you do that? He said, well, normally you wouldn't, but in your situation, the way you explaining it to me, all it did was keep your knee from moving forward and, and, and out of a like an uncomfortable position. And that's all she did was keep your knee stable. And you did that every game. And he said, that's why you never felt it until you got here. And now you're not taping your knee the same. And because you're not taping it the same, it's moving in a discomfort way. And now you're able to find out and get the swelling and all of that extra stuff that you wouldn't get because you have it taped up every night. And now you see the difference. Man, that's insane. That's nuts. That whole story. You built different in your trainer. Shout out to her. (laughs) (laughs) It was crazy, man. It was was crazy, man. But if if you knew, like, most people again, they, they weren't on the sideline with us. But um if you look at the fourth game that we played that year, which we played against Lake Wells out of Polk County, mm-hmm. we played that team, and of course, this was a big rivalry. Any team out of Osceola County playing with somebody out of Polk County, oh, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was a huge deal. So that game was, you know, not that they were ranked or anything. We were, of course, ranked in the state. Mm-hmm. But the comparison was or the problem was. Lakeland Dreadnoughts was either one or two, depending on where we were. Mm-hmm. So if we were one, they were two. If we were two, they were one. They do play Lake Wells. So that's how you make the comparison as to can Osceola beat Lakeland and, or can Lakeland beat Osceola? We kind of, everybody compared this game to if we were to match up, would that, would, you know, what would the outcome be? And so uh, playing in that game, I think maybe the middle of the first quarter, one of the defensive linemen jumped on my back. Nobody knows that my knee is messed up at this time. But he jumped mm-hmm. on my back, and my knee kind of popped out. of Like, it just popped in a crazy way. Mm-hmm. I, I stayed on the ground for a few minutes. I get up. I go to the sideline, and I tell my trainer, like, hey, I don't know what just happened, but the kid kind of got on my back, and I heard, like, a pop. And she said, Willie, you can't keep doing this, but it's your call. And I say, listen. I don't know what's going on, but if I can walk, I'm fine. I get back in the game. We end up winning that game 44, I think, to 22, something like that. But that was another moment. 
that I kind of knew like something is not right. Then we play um we play Gabriel Buholtz and that I'll be able to make it. He said, Well, smoke, we gotta have you at least dress up and we'll go from there. If you can't play, you can't play. But in my mind, I gotta make this game work because remember, this game is in Gainesville. There are gonna be several US coaches at this game. Oh man. So I gotta I gotta line this up correctly. I go up there, we go to Gainesville, and when I get on the sideline, we warming up. I say, Coach, man, I don't think it's gonna be good, man. He said, Well, you know, it's up to you, Smoke. You know, it's whatever you say, that's what we'll do. I said, Well, you know, let's just see how the game goes because to us, Buholtz wasn't a team that we should have trouble with. Okay. I shouldn't have to play in this game for us to win the game. But the game was a dog fight. It, it ended up being a real tight game. Now, this is another crazy story. I get two carries in this game. Two carries, two touchdowns. I ended up with like a hundred and something yards. Both carries was like crazy. And I'm tripping on like, why these dudes, why, why aren't they even trying to tackle me? Yeah. I took one carry like almost 70 yards. You will see that something is wrong. I, I, I literally limped 60 yards up the sideline <laughs> because they didn't want to tackle me. Man. I'm like, wow, this is crazy, man. But yeah, it was it was a, a a really bad situation, man. That you know, I played that full year on that 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 bad knee, and I think that's what kind of set the tone for where things were gonna be for the next five or six years of my life. Yeah. Um, but again, that 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 first surgery was a uh, lateral meniscus tear in my left knee, and that just kind of it just it started with the left knee, and yeah. then I had a surgery on my right knee, which was that ACL tear. And things just kind of bounced. Every year I had a surgery from that point. Let me say this way. From 1999 until 2004, I had at least one knee surgery every year. Man. Every year. Man. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, for our fans who don't quite know, I'm just going to read a few of your achievements while you're doing your time at Osceola. Okay. U.S. U.S. Today's Florida Player of the Year, Mr. Football for the State of Florida, selected as an All-American from numerous publications, including Parade, Super Parade, U.S. Today, uh, Florida Class 5A Player of the Year, two-time first-team All-State, finished career with 107 career touchdowns, which ranked as the best career total in Florida prep history at that time, and finished just shy of 8,000 career rushing yards, which ranked second in the state history and 11th best in the national prep history at that time. That's amazing, Willie. I know you don't really reflect on these things that much, but that's beyond special. Those numbers don't come by accident. It's a lot of grit and grind <laughs> that go to that, man. But what does that mean to you when I read that list off? I mean, it it it, it sounds impressive. It sounds good, but it never really, like, it never really mattered to me because, mm. you know, my goal was never complete. I never reached that 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 ultimate goal. So because of that, everything else is kind of like null and void. It doesn't even matter. What and that's the ultimate, just, goal, the ultimate goal was to be able to take my family out of poverty and, mm. and to change their lives, give them a better, you know, way of life, everything, just to change everything about how they were living. Mm. And that was what I couldn't do. Mm. Hold on, we're going to take a quick break. Be right back. So you graduated as one of the top players in the country uh, before signing with the University of Florida. First, tell us about your recruiting process, what schools were real contenders for you, and then tell us why you decided on UF. 
Oh man, that's 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 <laughs> there's another funny story, man. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this. Um the way my process kind of went, it was it was kind of funny to me. Um mm-hmm. because Osceola at that time, we were we were not a good like my freshman year getting Osceola, we weren't team. We were okay. A, okay. So but we did have some really high prospects, which I had a cousin that was our starting middle linebacker by the name of Hugh Holmes. And at the time he was coming out, he was my freshman year. So once I'm there, you got Notre Dame coming on campus. This is Charlie Strong at the time. You got UF coming on campus. You got uh, Florida State coming on campus. You got all these big time colleges coming on campus because of him. So mm-hmm. it's easy for me to be recognized now because he has all this attention, but that was just him. Then we had as a left tackle, we had a kid by the name of Brett Williams. Brett was six, six, I, I want to say six, six, probably 315 pounds my freshman year, Ooh, his junior pounds. year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was, that was, you know, people don't, and that's why you say, when you say the numbers, people don't look at, you know, what was in front of me. Yeah. We had we had we had some talent, man. We had some really good on those teams when I came to Osceola. But um Brett was uh being recruited heavily by Florida State, which was his junior year. And so of course, just running behind him, you're gonna be seen at some point. Because yeah. of course he's he's making holes, you know, he's pancaking guys, a parade all American, you know, as you stated for me, but also another dominant ball player. Mm-hmm. And so uh, because he's doing all the things he's doing is making it real easy for me to get recognized. Yeah. So, of course, I'm just taking it all in. Uh, I was never, ever, ever a, uh, a Florida State guy. Never. My man. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of just came because of my community. Everybody else was a Florida mm-hmm. State guy. And you got to remember, during my time of growing up, you know, while I'm in middle school, uh, going to high school, Florida State was always 12 and 0, 13 and 0, 11 and 0. But then, they, uh, you know, back then, the, the, the way that the college rankings and stuff kind of went down, you never really had one and two play each other. Yeah. So it was kind of a little different. And I never thought that they were ever the best team. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. The 92 th- team, the 93 team with Charlie Ward at quarterback, oh. those teams were great. They had, they did have some great teams over there. Yeah, but I think because they were in the Big East, they got away with a lot of wins. And then by the time that they played Florida, which was the last game of the season, Florida was beat up because they went through an SEC schedule. Mm-hmm. Florida State, they, they, they barely get challenged all year. Yeah. So when they meet up with Florida, their players are still healthy. Florida, they might be missing five or six players. Mm-hmm. And so it was like it was it was it was an odd disadvantage for Florida every time in that game. So uh that was Yay. the first school that was off my list. You know, mm-hmm. when you even come look for me. That when you come down here, make my name the last name you call. Because I'm <laughs> telling you now, you don't have a chance. And I told uh I forgot the name of that coach, black coach that came down. I told him, don't even look for me. I made it clear. And from that point, it's my freshman year. We we never had any communication from that point. Hmm. Um, so my coach said, well, listen, Smoke, what I think you need to do, because it seems like you're getting a lot of fan uh, mail right now, um, you probably need to come up with about 30 schools. This is my freshman year in high school, the end of my senior, uh, the end of the uh, season. Hmm. So going into my sophomore year, so you're talking 97. 
Um, I say, uh, well, what you mean by 30 schools, coach? He say, listen, smoke. He pulled out the mail. I think it was maybe 60 or 70 letters. I don't even know what, what all the schools they were from, but it was a bunch of mail. He yeah. said, I want you to go through this bundle and find 30 schools and you bring those schools on a list to me and we'll go from there. I said, okay. So I brought him to schools, of course, Florida, Miami, uh, Tennessee, Maryland, um, Texas, USC, just mm-hmm. a bunch of different schools. A lot of schools I had no knowledge of, but just I brought him 30 names out of that list. Yeah. So um, at the end of my sophomore year, he said, Smoke, it, it's starting to get a little crazy. Uh, I think you need to cut that list from 30 and down to 15 before your junior season starts. I said, OK, no problem. Mm-hmm. So I cut it down to 15. So that eliminated a bunch of the trash schools. Um, USC was one of the first ones because they out west, of course. Yeah. Didn't really know much about them at that time. And, and USC really wasn't the USC that we saw with Reggie Bush and all those guys. So I was like, okay, I got my 15. I give it to him. And uh, by the middle of my junior year, he said, Smoke, I thought this would help, but it's not. You still got coaches coming, and I don't know why. I'm telling them that you don't, you, you don't have any interest in them, but they're still coming. I said, well, okay, let's do it like this, coach. I got five schools right now. I'm going to give you these five. And if anybody comes, you tell them straight up, like, hey, he don't want to talk to you. He has his five. That's it. So my last five was Maryland, Missouri, Florida, Miami. So that sounds real odd when you look at those five schools. That's a different combo for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my wife said that was four. I'm sorry. So yeah, she right. Who was the fifth one? Uh, Florida, Florida, Maryland. Oh, I'm sorry, Clemson. Clemson, Clemson okay. was my other, my other guy. Um, so with them five schools right there, I said, okay, this is what I'm working with. I don't care who it is. Tell them I don't want to talk, cause if it is not these five, I'm good. And so going into my senior year, that was it. And the process was sweet, man. And and I would encourage any kid. I tell kids all the time that I deal with, you know, over here in Kissimmee, mm-hmm. like this is which every ball player can experience because when you go on these campuses, it's nothing like what you've ever experienced in high school or youth sports. It's like when you go to a college town, that is one of the greatest experiences you can ever have because now you go from a community where you may have a few thousand people that like football to a community where you may have a few hundred thousand people that love this program and they're willing to die for this team. And so when these schools hear about kids coming to their town, it's like they roll out the red carpet for them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it it, it, it makes you look at things like, man, I didn't know people really appreciated what I do like this. Mm -hmm. And it makes you really grateful that, okay, you know, football is bigger than just you know, my little town, this is a real big deal, man. And so that's what changed my whole perspective on on the game itself was like, this is a huge deal in our country. People really, really love uh, college football, mm. especially in the South. You know, I don't know about, you know, up in New York, you know, up in those northern states. I don't know how it is up there, mm. but I know in the South, college football dominates and controls the states. Yeah, and, and it's it's just crazy, man. So every state that I'm going through and seeing this stuff, people people go crazy. You got families that that have separated 
and don't even talk because of college football games. Mm-hmm. You know, so as I'm going through this stuff, man, I'm seeing all of this different stuff at these different uh, schools and just seeing how the communities come together. And that ultimately changed my outlook of, you know, college football. Like, hey, I really want to be a part of this, man, because, you know, I, I really like to be in communities where things are. Um, there's a, there's love. There's, there's, yeah. there's you know, camaraderie. And people just celebrate and enjoy everything that goes around those communities. So when I'm able to see that, it just made me just really want to be a part of that. So, um, you know, once I broke my school down to those five, the next one off the list was Miami. Part of that was, you know, I was never like a, I was never a party guy. I was never a guy that hung out and, and, and wanted that type of crowd. And um, once I found out more, I, had, I hadn't even been to Miami at that time, and I never took an official visit to Miami. Um, the, the, the week that I had my, my visit set up with them, I had to take my SAT test. So I called Coach uh, Art Kehoe, and I told him, I said, listen, man, I appreciate you, you know, coming out, spending time and, you know, trying to get me to come to your school. But, you know, at this time, I got to, you know, cancel everything else from with you guys. I appreciate it, but, you know, no thanks. You know, I'm going to probably just move on to these final four schools that I have. And that was simple because I couldn't get down there to that visit. And, you know, he said he appreciated it. But the thing was, one of my good friends that, that was at Osceola with me had been committed to Miami. He was actually committed to Miami uh, my junior year, which was his senior year. So he committed a year prior to me going down there. Or, or he went down there a year before I was even, you know, feeling out how, you know, how they how I was going to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that cut them out. And now I came down to Florida, Clemson, Maryland, and Missouri. And the school that – and this is another story that people don't understand. There's only a few people that can send me that notice. Of those four schools – I'm gonna ask you guys, what was the one school you think I wanted to go to? Oh man. G, what you think, I'm, G? I'm gonna mention them four names again so you'll know yeah. and you can kind of go from there. But you got Florida, you got Maryland, you have Missouri, and you have Clemson. Now, mind you, three of those schools at this time were just okay, meaning Clemson, right. was, you know, mm-hmm. like a seven and three, seven and fourteen, Maryland. Six and six, maybe, and then Missouri, another six and sixteen. So yeah, out of them four schools, go ahead. Yeah, just based like that, I would have said Florida. You know, first because of the location, you still okay. in the state, close to home. If you need to get back to the crib, family, come watch games, and then you playing in the SEC, you playing with the best yeah. man. Right, that's what I would have thought. What yeah, about you, Phil? Right. Oh, uh, I mean, just kind of. I mean, you know. Obviously, I would say Florida, but you know, just for the interview, bro, I'll probably end up saying maybe like Maryland. I don't know why. You could play day one, huh? Yeah, like you could get right on the field, and yeah. that was my mindset going into college too. Like I wanted to play right now, so yeah, I I probably go with Maryland. Well, you you might be the smartest man I know. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Don't blow his head, Willie. Don't Hey, listen, he he called it, bro. That was the school. That I really that my heart, my mind, my everything was locked in on that school. What? That was it. I, 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 t- I knew it. I knew what that was, it. was doing, man. It, it was, I mean, Maryland was that was it. That was listen, I can remember sitting at it, you know, we had back back in back in those days, we had a tournament, basketball tournament called the Great Florida Shootout that mm-hmm. we had at our civic center every year. 
Yeah. I used to go. <laughs> it, it was live. That was mm-hmm. the place to be. So yeah. I'm sure you was there. Oh, that yeah. was it. So um, I'm at the I'm at the where well, the coach called me. He said, "Smoke man, what's going on?" I said, and, and the coach was Mike Loxley, which is the head coach for Maryland right, right now. Yeah. So he said, "Uh, Smoke, what's going on?" He said, "Man, I just left uh the coach, which was Melbourne. I'm on my way to see you now, mind you." He he really wasn't supposed to be coming over at this time because he was supposed to be coming down the following week. So I said, "Well, hey, um, I'm headed to the Great Florida Shootout. It's at the uh the Civic Center in downtown Kissimmee." He said, man, I'll meet you there in 30 minutes. So I wait outside. He pull up, and uh, we we walk in the game together. Of course, he got on all his Maryland attire. Now, like I told you, my community, everybody that I hang with is diehard Florida State. Mm-hmm. At this time, Maryland is in the ACC. Yeah. So when they see him, you know, hey, man, you got to get out of here. It, it was a big deal. <laughs> you know, it was funny, but, you know, they messing with him real bad. So we go up in the stands, and he like, listen, Smoke, I didn't come down here just to be playing, man. I need you. At, I need you to come to the UM, man. I said, "What you mean, coach?" He said, "Listen, I need you up there." He said, "This is. I'm trying to change some things around, and we need you on this team, man." Now, mind you, at this time, um, I'm trying to remember the brother's name, man. He went to Doctor Phillips. Here oh, we go. Quarterback he McCall. Calvin McCall. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. He said, "Man, I talked to Calvin. He's gonna be your guy. He's gonna be the guy that kind of." Show you the ropes. That's the that's the one Florida guy that I, that's closest to where you from. So I've already spoke to him. He's on board. We need you up here, man. So I say, listen, coach, I'm on board, man. But let me talk to you when I come on my visit. Now we had a state game, which was the uh, semifinals, um, that we went to the Panama Panama City and played Rutherford. So we were supposed to me and Chad actually. Me and Chad were scheduled to go on this visit together. This is our official visit up there. And so uh, we lose that game in, in Rutherford. And we like, man, I don't really want to go because we blow. We're supposed to be going to the state game our senior year, but we don't make it. Yeah. And so we call Coach Locks. He's like, listen, I don't care what's going on. Y'all need to get on them planes, man. I need y'all up here. <laughs> so, you know, just like the way he spoke to us. Yeah. It kind of made us really feel like, man, this guy care about us, and he really wants us to be a part of what they're trying to build. Yeah, so man. just going through all of that, I really wanted to be in Maryland. And I'm going to tell you, this is, what, this is what kept me from going to Maryland. We went up on that visit, me and Chad. I think there were 20, 25 recruits on this trip. Mm-hmm. I was the highest-rated recruit on their board at this time. Chad was second. And then it was a kid that we played against out of Melbourne, Ugali. He was mm-hmm. like the fourth, third or fourth kid on their board that was, that was on this visit. Mm-hmm. So we hanging out, going to the game, the basketball game, all this good stuff. And um, we go to a party. We with, we with Calvin McCall. And then it was, uh, I forgot, um, the running back that he had was um, Lamont Jordan. Lamont oh, and yeah. the Lamont in the NFL. Yeah. yeah okay. We hanging out with them guys and we go to a, a, a little dorm party or whatever. And so I'm talking to Chad. This is my teammate. Now, this is my guy. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, I just told y'all earlier, me and Chad started playing ball together at the age of six. Mm-hmm. So we've been rocking for a long time. So I'm like, you know, bro, let's go outside and talk for a minute, man. So we go outside. I say, listen, man, how do you feel about, you know, the visit? What you think? He's like, oh, bro, that's straight, man. You know, I'm, I'm feeling everything now. What I didn't say was that Chad grew up a Florida State guy. Mm-hmm. 
this is this is this is this is a big deal for him now. Yeah. Florida State die hard through and through. He let me back up. He's a, he's a Florida State guy. So we outside talking. I say, bro, I don't care nothing about the home state. Right now, we're talking about changing our lives right now, man. And this is where I think it can happen at, bro. I think, you know, the way Coach Locke's trying to be there for us, I think he's sincere. I don't get that from nowhere else I go. I don't get mm-hmm. that from nowhere in Florida. I don't get that from no other school that has came by. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know, bro, but, you know, I'm going I'm to I'm rock with you, man. So what you thinking? I say, bro, let's, let's bring these other kids out here and let's see what they talking about. So we get that entire class that was that was on that visit. We all go outside. Now, mind you, we're from Florida. It might be 25 degrees up there. <laughs> we freezing. But this this was a big deal to me. So I didn't care about how that weather was. I wanted to, you know, figure out what, what everybody's mindset was like. Right. So we put everybody out. And I'm like, man, what you think about the trip, man? How you how you feel about it? Now we got linemen, we got defensive guys, we just get we everybody here. And so uh, a couple guys, you know, they speak up. You know, I like this, man. I'm I'm really feeling Maryland. I think I'm gonna commit tomorrow. This and that. So I'm listening to what they're saying. So I look at Chad. I'm shaking my head like this is what I wanted to hear. So then we get like half of that group, and they turn it back it on. They turn it back on us. Say, listen, what are y'all two gonna do? So I look at Chad. I say, what do you mean? What are we gonna do? He say, listen, man, we don't know much about y'all as far as playing with y'all. But we've heard about y'all from each one of these coaches. If y'all coming, we coming. Oh, so I look at that. I say, bro, I'm with it, bro. I say, man, if, if we coming, they coming. So what you want to do? Chad look at me. He say, bro, let's do it. So Coach Locke, that night, we all commit. All of us telling ourselves. Now, we didn't tell this to the coaches, but we talking to ourselves like, hey, we're going to commit. We're all going to lock in. I'm talking to Chad the rest of the visit like, hey, I'm, I'm good, bro. I ain't saying nothing else. So Coach Lawrence bring us to his office Sunday evening. He said, listen, I talked to the other recruits, and they told me that if y'all coming, they coming. So I look at me. I look at him. I say, well, listen, Coach, I'm not going to commit today, but I'm going to tell you this. You can lock me in. So he was like, Smoke, I don't want to hear that. Lock me in. What do you mean? <laughs> I say, Coach. I'm not trying to commit right now, but I'm letting you know that you can you can look forward to some good things coming from this. So he said, Smoke, I don't know what that means, man. You ain't telling me nothing right now. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm not going to commit today, but I'm telling you, you can go ahead and lock me in. So he asked Chad, he said, Chad, what's going on with you? Chad said, man, I'm riding with Smoke, man. Whatever bro got going on, I'm with him. So we leave out of the office. We get on our flight. We come back home. I called Chad that night. This is Monday night. I said, bro, what's up? He said, bro, we're going to make it happen. I'm going to give you a couple of weeks. I still got my visit to Florida State, and then we'll go from there. Listen, man, Tuesday night, I called Chad. I don't hear nothing from Chad. I get calls from everybody in the community. Chad committed to Florida State. Chad committed to Florida wow. State. I said, no, that, ain't, that can't be true. Oh, man. So finally, I go to Chad's house. I find out Chad committed to Florida State. So now that leave me like, dang, what am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. Do I wanna do I wanna make this trip to Maryland by myself? Or or you know, what's gonna happen from here? Mm-hmm. And I just I didn't know what to do from there, and that completely changed 
you know, everything of where my life went from that point. I end up, you know, not making that commitment. And we end up, you know, locking in with, with UF. Man, that's an exclusive. Wow. What a story, bro. That's an exclusive. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I always thought that you was locked in from UF, like, day one type. Nah. I bro, did not know it was that close. I'm going to share a quick story that I just found out today. Right. Um, I w- My buddy sent me an article this morning, and it was talking about some of the stats that you just read off to me. Mm-hmm. So my junior year, which was this guy's senior year, um, Corey Collier, you, you know who that is, right? Yep. That's the the cornerback that committed the flow. Well, let me mm-hmm. let me back up. Corey Collier is the dad. Mm-hmm. Junior is the son, which the son just committed to Florida. Yeah, he's year, which he's done started a few games for Florida. So now, mind you, I'm pretty sure y'all already know the story. But this com- this kid was basically fully committed to Florida State, but just because his dad went there, mm-hmm. so Florida State took it upon themselves that you know we ain't got to recruit him that hard. And they end up losing him because they didn't recruit him that hard. Mm-hmm. So to flip that story to me, I didn't want to go to Florida just because I don't think they respected me the way that Maryland did or Clemson did. Mm-hmm. They didn't recruit me that hard. They just figured this is a Florida kid. Yep. He's right here in the area. Mm-hmm. He has to come to us. He has to. Mm-hmm. And then they're looking at you know what my final four were. Them, Maryland, Missouri, Clemson. Yeah. How can those those three schools compete with them? Yeah, right. they're probably laughing. Like, oh, we, we got this. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. And I remember I'm in I'm in a I'm in a dorm. The running back that was my host that night was Robert Gillespie while I was on my visit. You had Gillespie. I yeah. had Gillespie. So Rob G, my guy. Now there's no knock on Rob G. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, the key, this is what this is this is what Rob G basically told me. I say, listen, man, I just ran into all these recruits that I was just talking to. Everybody telling me about what they finna do, all these parties they going to. What's going on? <laughs> and he say, smoke, man. Listen, I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. He say, man, the coaches told me, don't lose you. You they they already believe that you a lot coming here. So right now they just want me to just keep you where you safe and your thing. I said, so, bro, you gonna just keep me in the house with you and your girl? <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm sitting in his girlfriend's apartment in her dorm, and we just, we, I'm just, huh? yeah. We sitting in her dorm, and we just, it's, it's him and her, and me. You third-willing enough. Yeah. I said, bro, I ain't gonna keep doing this. <laughs> but, that's my whole point. They, they, they knew all my coaches were pretty much Florida, Florida guys. So to them, I was pretty much a lock, and they didn't recruit me that hard. But because the one thing I, that I have not mentioned to y'all was I had a son. My son was born my senior year in high school. Oh, okay. So, so because of that, mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave Florida. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's that was change. the only. That was the only thing that kept me in Florida. That's a big change, man. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, um, so you know, you you have your time at Florida. You redshirt, medical redshirt, your first year. Had to, you know, go through some more uh, cleanup on knee surgery stuff. Um, and then you, you play those next two seasons. Uh, get some burn. Uh, you get your first career touchdown, that, that first carry. Um, <laughs> but then you know, the spring of two thousand three, 
you were a rising red shirt junior. I believe Ernest Graham had just left, so was, you know you was up next. Uh, but we look at the roster that fall, and you're not on it. Uh, up to what you're comfortable with, man. Just touch on what happened. Well, um, this is probably the, the the most difficult time of my life, man. And it was it was a pressurized situation. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we had a new coaching staff in, mm-hmm. and anybody that's familiar with college sports or any sports, when the new staff comes in, especially in college, mm-hmm. the new staff recruits what fits their system. Yeah. yeah. So when that new staff finds what fits their, what fits their system, they go back and they evaluate what's on the team mm-hmm. and what's on the team, what fits their system. So the one problem with me, I could fit the system, but this kid is injury prone. Mm-hmm. They made it a year without a surgery. And and the doctors told him, like, listen, for Willie to be on your team, you're going to have to cater to him. And they were like, well, what do you mean by that? We got to cater to him. Is he some superstar? They say he can't be. But the problem is he's had issues with his knees. And so to them, this is a red flag. Why waste a scholarship on this kid when we can just go out and find somebody that, that fits our system? And so I met with the coaching staff and um, coaches up like, hey, this is right after I had my surgery, mind you. Going into this, going into this um, uh, spring workouts or, or yeah, spring ball, we're going through the workouts and I'm supposed to be the guy. Mm-hmm. But I just had surgery. So now it's a big deal. Like, hey, this kid just had another surgery, man. What, why, why, why should we waste our time on him? Mm-hmm. So the, the story is we got to get him out. So I meet with the coaching staff, Coach Locks, uh, or come, Coach Locks was there. He was the, uh, I think he was our tight end coach at the time. Now that's another crazy thing. That is, two of the schools, yeah, two of the schools that were recruiting me, which was Maryland and Missouri. Those two coaches that recruited me ended up at Florida. Yeah. Just to throw uh, yeah. that out, there. yeah, <laughs> that was a crazy deal. I don't know how that happened, but it did. So uh, Coach Locks, Coach Zook, Coach Zook was the head coach. And then our uh, coach Larry Fedora. Fedora was our running back coach. Mm-hmm. So we have a big meeting, and then of course, um, the, the the athletic trainer. So we in the, we in the offices, we talking, and so they asked me, you know, where where are you mentally? I say, what do you mean? I say, I'm I'm here. I'm here. I just had surgery. I'm I'm committed to the program. What you mean? Where am I mentally? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's probably gonna be some changes, and this is what we think has to happen. I'm like, what do you mean what we think has to happen? I just told you I'm committed to the team. I was just given, you know, a lot of people don't know. Just because you were given a four-year scholarship, you technically are on a one-year, year-to-year scholarship. Mm, that's yep. right. So people don't know that. Just because they say, oh, he's given a four-year scholarship, that's part true. So if at any time you're not doing what you're supposed to do, at the end of that year, your scholarship can be pulled. Yep, yep. So at this time, you go you go and sign your scholarship every year. So at this time, this was right around the time we supposed to sign our scholarships. So they tell me, hey, we actually think that you should give up playing ball. We're concerned about your future. They just I told said, you that? This is what they told me. We're concerned about your future. I said, what do you mean? Future is here. I'm, I'm yeah. doing what I'm supposed to do. What do you mean? Right. Well, 
we think that if you have another surgery, it could be detrimental to, you know, your son and you enjoying the rest of your life. I'm like, I don't understand that. Now, mind you, I just told y'all football was everything to me. Mm-hmm. So when they telling me this, it's not it's not registering. I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that I'm committed to this team. I just had surgery and I'm telling you that I'm, I'm here. But mm-hmm. you telling me that you don't think I should continue with this program. And I'm like, that didn't make sense to me. So I say, listen, I just th- I just spoke with Dr. Pete. Peter and Delicato was the was the doctor that, you know, he did my surgery, did Emmett Smith. I think he did a, a surgery on Emmett Smith, did a surgery on Dan Marino. This guy was the guy. Mm-hmm. So I say, listen, I just talked to Dr. Pete. Mind you, now at this time, this is my sixth, sixth, three on each knee. This is my Ooh. sixth. Knee surgery. Wow. Three yeah. on each knee. So I'm like, listen, I just talked to Dr. P. They say, well, Willie, we concerned. We don't care what Dr. P said. We think you shouldn't be playing ball. So I'm like, listen, man, I'm not trying to hear that. Let's get Dr. P in here and let's find out what he say. So Zooks, Coach Zooks spoke. I actually talked to Dr. P today and he told me that your knees are in bad shape, that if you continue to play, that you may end up losing a leg. This and that. So I'm like, I say, listen, I just spoke to Dr. Pete. He didn't tell me none of that. I said, let's get Dr. Pete in his office. And we, we're not going to just spoke on what we think he said. Let's right. get him in here right. and let's hear what he got to say. That's right. Two weeks later, I never saw Dr. Pete. My scholarship was turned from an athletic scholarship to a uh, to a uh, just a regular scholarship, a, a, a academic scholarship. Mm-hmm. So. They gave me one more year or as long as I needed to complete my education, but I can no longer play ball. Yeah. So, from where I'm from. Yes, sir. I'm sorry about that, man. Uh, do you think good. do you think if Spurrier stays that you play? Great question. Great question. Spurrier was the guy that recruited me. Spurrier understood no matter what was going on, he knew the potential. So to answer that question, if he stays, this conversation goes a whole different route. Wow. That's, crazy. that's just my opinion now. That's my yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. So but that was, was my guy. Did you have thoughts of transferring by chance? Now, back then, transferring wasn't like it is today. You, yeah. you just mm-hmm. didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And if you did transfer, just remember, you lost a year. That's right. All right. Yeah, you, lose, you, you automatically down, right? lose. Yes, sir. Yeah. So for me, it was never an option. It okay. was never on the table. It was never something that I considered. I never thought about it. I never spoke to anybody about that because that just wasn't how things went back then. I, man, right. you very seldom had guys transfer. And if you did transfer, you had to leave no later than your sophomore year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. to because you're going to lose that year. That's mm-hmm. just, it was just that hard. Right. So I never thought about it. That was never an option yeah. for me. Well, and now that you're, you know, uh, a seasoned gentleman, I won't call you older. <laughs> how, <laughs> would, how would you summarize your time? How would you summarize your time at Florida? Then do you think things go different if you had went to another school, even down to the knee surgeries? I'm going to try to make this short and sweet as possible. All right. My time at Florida was great. But it didn't go the way that I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was great because I had a wonderful experience 
at the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. All right. Had I went to another school, I will 100% say my life would have been different. And I'm going to tell you what I tell people. I want y'all to look up a name and some stats. Mm-hmm. The year 2000, I committed to the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. In the year 2000, a specific running back committed to the University of Maryland. This running back was basically an average guy, didn't have a big name, got to the University of Maryland, became ACC All-American, first team All-American, and was the guy. We ended up playing them, Florida, played Maryland in the 2000 and 2002. We're in fact, I was at that game with my pops, man. Wow. That was Spurrier's last game. That was his last game. That was his last game. But that running back, I I think his last last name was Perry. I'm trying to remember what his name was. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking Chris Perry. I think that's what it was, Chris Perry. Uh, This is what I – this is – now, I'm a spiritual individual. mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, when you walk in alignment with what God has for you, Mm-hmm. You can never go wrong. But when you do what you want to do and you do things the way you want it done, it never works out. Yeah. It never yeah. works. My so, time at UF was never meant for me to be there. I was supposed to be at Maryland, which is where I wanted to go. Yeah. Instead of me going to Maryland, somebody else walked in my path. That kid ended up going to the NFL. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, like, it's more like your spirit was your, – your, your soul was telling you to go to Maryland, but the – I don't want to say the, the glitter and gold, but, you know, the the more convenient route was Florida. So, you know, you pretty much and, end up picking and we up. Can't, and we can't forget his son, too. You know? Yeah, that's, that's right. the real reason to stay close to the crib, man. Right. So I, I don't know if you could beat yourself up too much on exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't bother me one bit, nah, but that – when I sit back and look at it, I'm yeah. like, damn. I see what that's yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. Chris Perry, Willie Green, yeah. and I'm yeah. not trying to throw no shade to yeah. nobody. Yeah, he did his thing. Right. But, yeah, bro, yeah, that, 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 that's a whole nother life, like you said. Yeah, man. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. So, Will, I know your time getting short here, man. I'm a, uh, I want to touch on this, though, before we get to the quick hitter segment. Life yes, after sir. football. So, Will, I'm, I'm going to bring up this next point, and it's not to embarrass mm-hmm. you, but to show how you were able to rise above and still make a positive impact on your community. Mm-hmm. So, you get caught up with the law, and just up to what you're comfortable sharing, talk about that time in your life um, and why you think you got caught up in, you know, that, that that type of lifestyle. And then tell us how you were able to rebound and overcome this, because a lot of people don't, you know. And before you get started, man, I really want to commend you for that, Willie. That's yes, not sir. an easy feat. Uh, it's an easy trap to fall back into, you know what I'm right. saying, once you've kind of done your, done your stuff. So uh, just touch on that for us, boss, man. Yes, sir. No problem. Um, So, of course, this goes back to my upbringing. I grew mm-hmm. up in a community where drugs are like, that's the that's that's the glitter of growing up in my community or mm-hmm. in most uh, low-income neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when football is taken away, now I have two kids. So it's like, okay, I have a son, I have a daughter. How do I take care of them and give them the life that I had planned to give them had I made it playing football? Mm-hmm. So the easiest thing for me was to reflect back on the rims, the guys with all the women, 
the guys had all the money. How did they get it? Mm-hmm. Streets. So quite naturally, that's always, 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 and I repeat that a million times if I could, but that's always the easiest route for us is to say, man, the, the, the heck with it. Let's go. Let's 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 just let's just get it. Let's get in these streets and make it happen. And that's why you hear all these rappers. You you got people tied into these streets that you wouldn't even imagine. And it's so easy for us to get caught up, or not even get caught up, but it's so easy for us to just get locked into that because it's it's almost second nature because that's all we see growing up every day. And so for me, it was like, okay, I can't I can't play ball but I could definitely get in these streets. I ain't got to run a touchdown to get in these streets. I ain't got to hit nobody, you know, calling my name to get in these streets. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. And the thing with me is when I commit to something, no matter what it is, I'm committed. Yeah, I'm committed. Whether it's sports, whether it's the streets, whether it's my wife, whatever it is, when I commit, I commit. Mm-hmm. There's no more games being played. And so I committed to the streets. I dove in head first. I worked my way up, started doing what I thought was the right thing to do. What I thought was the right thing to do, which ended up being the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up uh, trafficking cocaine back and forth from Kissimmee to Gainesville, you know, putting my hands in, in the middle of anything and everything that I felt could put a dollar in my pocket. I'm selling pills. I'm selling weed. Whatever I could do to get this money, this is what I know. This is what I know. Mm-hmm. Let's get it. Mm-hmm. And I have a tour dude, they riding with me, you know, because everybody thinking, oh, this that this the running back from Florida. So yeah. it, it's the it's the glamorized situation of not only is this dude in the streets getting money, but man, this man used to play ball for UF. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for you to get a following. And all of that was the worst thing that could have ever happened. All of it. But I I I I, I I I got involved. I got deep into it, you know, to the point where I'm carrying guns, and, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm above the law at this point. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. I was above the law. Mm-hmm. I got my first trafficking charge in 2000 and 2004, if I'm not. I think it was 2004. I got caught for my first trafficking charge. Now, mind you, I'm above the law. I got mm-hmm. a little money. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Now. I'm 21 years old. I'm telling my partners, man, I'm finna go to trial. Everybody and their mom telling me, listen, that's the worst thing you could do. The car was in your name. You're the only person in the car. The drugs in the car. If you go to trial, they're gonna kill you. Gotta and what you. they meant by that, they finna give you a life sentence. Yeah. Listen, I'm not going to prison. I take the charge of trial. Guess what? This where I bring out Willie Green again. I bring out photo albums. I bring out everything I can to show these people or to tell the jury I'm not what the what the what the court is making me out to be. Mm-hmm. I end up getting acquitted on that charge. Ooh, I walked wow. out of the courtroom, mm-hmm. head highs. I mean, my head was so high. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That was the worst thing that could have ever happened. Cause you're invincible now. Yeah. I mean, oh, they can't touch me. Mm-hmm. They can't touch me. They can't touch me. That's how I felt. And that only allowed me to get deeper into the streets. Yeah. And from now, things only got worse. I ended up getting caught up with a, a first degree attempted murder charge. Uh, I had two more trafficking charges. And now this time, the state of Florida don't want to deal with it. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know what time, if, you know, when, when that happens, yeah. there's only one other level from there. Mm-hmm. Big boys. When, when, the, mm-hmm. when the United States come in, mm-hmm. you know, you got a whole nother ball game. That's a whole nother right. level. Yeah. It's a whole nother level. So when I get, you know, my indictment, I'm I'm like, okay, hey, it is what it is. Let's go to trial. That's how it was. I'm finna get out of this because I felt I done already beat one. I'm finna beat them too. So I'm in I'm locked up in the county jail in Gainesville. I got everybody in their mama again. Hey man, the last thing you want to do is play with the United States of America. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you want to play with Alachua County. I don't <laughs> care if you want to play with the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Do not, do not play with the United States of America. So mm-hmm. me being a little naive, like, okay, I don't understand what you mean. The United States of America don't want to play with me. So I'm ready to go to trial. Mm. And I learned real quick that I wasn't ready to go to trial. So yeah. mm-hmm. I ended up taking a plea uh, for 10 years. And um, I did six. Well, I received six years in the state of Florida. And I received 10 that was ran concurrent. Okay. So um, I did um, I did about four and a half years in state prison. And I did another five years in federal prison. So as I was telling y'all earlier, mm-hmm. prisons n- in no way know how will I glamorize prison. And mm-hmm. I do not recommend what I went through. I recommend that nobody has to go through that. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Because you hear the stories how inhumane prison is. Yeah. Just being in, in that environment, it, it can be very, very difficult. I can I tell people stories. I seen a guy, two black guys playing chess, mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting here watching. Mm-hmm. And at this time, I'm locked up in uh, Wakulla, Florida, which is maybe 30 minutes from Tallahassee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm up here in this prison. I'm hanging out. I'm sitting down watching these two guys play chess. And one guy made a good move and took the guy queen, and the guy jumped up and he said the n word. Yeah, you know, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And the guy that was sitting down, he stood up. He punched the guy. Wow, he hit him in his eye. Never mm-hmm. seen nothing like this in my life. Mm-hmm. This guy eyeball. Listen, listen no, to me. No this way. guy eyeball, it burst. When you, when you Listen, I have never seen nothing like this in my life. Never. Never. Yeah. I seen a guy stand up. Over a chess game. Now, this ain't about no money. <laughs> right, right. Ain't no money on the table. It's all about respect. Mm-hmm. This guy stood up, hit the guy in the face. Pow! He hit him right in his eye. Mm-hmm. You know, when you crack an egg and you're getting ready to, you know, scramble oh, your egg. Oh, man. Don't tell me. <laughs> oh, man. Listen. Listen. I tell this story. Every time I have a, any kind of speaking engagement, I tell this same story. Because mm-hmm. this story humbled me to the point where it changed my, I, I don't even, listen, bro. I don't care what type of confrontation we got. As two men, we can work this thing out. I promise you. I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. My wife could cheat on me with you. You could steal some money from me. You can kill somebody that I know. Mm-hmm. We can work this situation out, bro. Mm-hmm. We can work this out. I seen these two gentlemen get into it over a chess game. A chess game. And mm-hmm. the man said the N-word. Two black guys. Two black guys. He hit him in his eyeball. His eyeball burst. 
and it and it looked like a egg, or like the yolk that come out of an egg. God. It just fell out of his eye, and it was Damn. listen. It didn't fall on the ground. It fall and it hung. Mm. The, the the eyeball was still attached. What a retina, is. bro! I've never seen nothing like that in my life. Man, that made me be in a boxing ring, bro. Man, what a story. Um, that situation changed me, bro. And I told myself from this day forward, I don't care what I'm beefing with somebody about, it ain't that serious. It's not. Right. Yeah, it's right, not, yeah. bro. We can talk this. We can work it out. If it's money, let me find a way to get it to you. If it's a woman, there's too many of them for it to be that. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we, we we have to find ways to overcome these little issues, bro. So that thing right there turned me around. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people go to church and they become deep in the Lord and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I found myself rooted in that word, but I didn't allow the word to be the only thing that drove me. You know, because I was I was locked up around uh Muslims. I was locked up around people that studied Judaism, Buddhism. I tried to understand how everybody operates and how everybody thinks. And that was what I believe drove me to be who I am today. And just the way I'm interacting with all these different brothers, they teaching me different stuff. It allowed me to grow into a different individual and allowed me to understand that, you know, the little stuff that we sit down here and argue and fight about, shoot each other over. It ain't worth it, man. It ain't worth it. You know, we got brothers dying left and right over nonsense. Stuff that can be replaced. You know? I remember, you know, going to clubs and, you know, you somebody step on your shoes, you done bought your fresh pair of, uh, you know, um, soldieries or whatever, and you, you ready to kill a brother over a $50 pair of shoes. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's all nonsense. Mm-hmm. It ain't, man. It ain't. Yeah. So, Prison basically just allowed me to appreciate life, to understand life, to understand that it's bigger than just me. And that's why when I talk about sports, I love sports for what they do. And I encourage anybody to get involved in sports, because to me, if there's somebody willing to pay for you to go to school for four years, take advantage of it. But when you have a school that's willing to pay for that, Hmm. that is huge. That is huge. And, and, and I will always encourage kids to take that next step just because it may not be the opportunity that you want. Meaning, you know, I, I talked to a kid and I'm talking to him. I, you know, Rat Pack was doing his thing, which Key One was my Key One, my guy. Oh, he was yeah. coaching the team or whatever. And uh, he said, Smoke, I want you to come out at this youngster for me. So I'm like, yeah, man, no problem. I go over. I meet up with the kid talking to him and he was bothered by the type of offers that he was getting. It wasn't what he wanted. And I'm like, listen, that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I don't care who offering you. If somebody offering you, that should be good enough. Because just to get on that field and somebody paying for you to be there, that's an opportunity, a, a great opportunity of, of within itself. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to pay for you to get a free degree and not the way they got it nowadays where you can they making money now so yeah yeah, so why would you why would you deprive yourself of an opportunity to possibly change your life and the lives of your future of your family members your possibly your your seeds you know Mm -hmm. I, i just tell kids man take advantage of this stuff man because 
they giving us an opportunity. That's we just so got to know what to do with it. That's so true. That's where we fall short, man. Yeah, man. Well, I really appreciate that story, man. Yeah, for real. You know, you being vulnerable like that, we appreciate it. And before we get yes, to sir. the quick hitters, man, I just want to, excuse me, I just want to touch on a point that, you know, uh, for our listeners who don't know, you know, Kasemi is fully accepted. Willie Green back, man. Uh, he gives a lot back to the Kasemi community. He speaks with the youth, puts on free football camps. Uh, just a beautiful redemption story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I want to highlight that, man. Um, like I said, I know you got the, the birthday coming up, man. So we only got... Three quick hitter questions for you. Our quick hitter segment today is brought to you by Jarrell McCoy, your Central Florida realtor. For most people, a home is the largest asset that they will ever own in their lifetime. When getting to the real estate market, you should have an expert by your side to help you avoid the numerous pitfalls that a real estate transaction can have. Regardless of what side of the transaction you're on, Jarrell McCoy and his team have proven winning strategies to assist you with all of your real estate needs. So if there's a home you want to buy or sell, just pick up your phone and call Jarrell. Call or text 407-234-0923 for your free, no-obligation consultation. Again, that's 407-234-0923. Jarrell McCoy, your Central Florida Realtor. And I will okay. say, Willie, this is my favorite topic. <laughs> this is my yeah. favorite part of the interview, but we do the same. Okay, time. okay. I, yeah. I can't wait. So go ahead, Chappelle. All right. So who's the most talented teammate you've ever had? Oh, Bobby Scipio. Bobby Scipio. I know Bobby, actually. My man's wow. a legend, too, in his own right. Yes, sir. Bobby yeah. Scipio. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, when you're in Kissimmee, Willie, what are some of the local spots that we can find you eating at? Uh, Olive Garden. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. And then this is the the last one, bro. This is the finale. Top three players you've ever played against in high school. Top three. Who? Okay. Well, that first guy, he it's an easy name. This Clint Portis. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Clint Portis, Gainesville High School. Um. The next guy, man, I would have to say another teammate of his, which was Ian Scott, defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, the third guy, I would have to say uh, Bam Byron Hartman uh, played at Jacksonville Ed White. He played at UF with me. Oh, yeah. Uh, middle captain. linebacker. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And uh, he actually is coaching at Troy State right now. Shout out to Bam Harvey, man. That's a name drop right there. That brother yeah. could play some balls. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Willie, man. It's yes, been a beautiful interview, man. We really appreciate oh, the time. Pleasure. Um, like I said, I know you don't really do these interviews a lot. So we just really, you know, first just appreciate you for trusting us to yes, know, sir. share share your story. Um and uh, I just can't thank you enough, man. Uh yes, sir. No much, problem. much, much blessings to you and your family. Stay healthy, stay safe. Uh, and just keep thriving, man. We rooting for you. We still fans to this day. Tell you this, I, we done had a lot of shows. We done had a lot of people that we didn't talk to. Um, mm-hmm. And we, you know, we, we we try to bundle it down to a select few. But I will say this, bro. I looked up to yes, you sir. since I was 10 years old. You've been one of my really inspirations in hearing your story. And now hearing it just kind of in depth and what you redeemed yourself with. Bro, yes, sir. I respect you. So we got to meet up one day, bro. Man, most definitely, man. Listen, anytime y'all need me, man, this, this is what I do. Y'all hit me up whenever. 
We can meet up whenever, do some lunch, some All dinner, right. whatever. If y'all have camps that y'all doing and, and, you know, you might have a kid that just needs a little bit of encouragement, give me a holler. KG, All you right. got my number. All Don't right. ever hesitate to use that number, bro. I'm here. Oh, hey, yeah. likewise, Willie. We'll yes, appreciate sir. it, brother. All right, man. Enjoy no some problem, man, y'all. <laughs> yes, sir. Y'all brothers be blessed. All right. You too, appreciate man. You. Right. Yes, sir. That was class of 2000, Osceola High School football legend Willie Green. We appreciate you chopping it up with us, brother. Washed up boys, signing out. Thank you, thank you. It has been another episode of Washed Up Boys. It's your boy C Rose. It's your boy KG. And we appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you follow, like, subscribe. Tell your mama, tell your brother, tell your cousin, tell your... Gee, I ain't forgetting nobody, right? You all good, my brother. All right, man. So tune in next week. We're going to have another crazy episode. And we are out. Peace.